Hello and welcome back to Nomads, you and I. I am looking forward to this scripture hike with you that begins in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. If you've got a Bible handy, that's going to be very, very useful in this, as it is with all of our scripture hikes. Mark Dunnigan, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff that we're going to look at here. Uh, we're no longer under the law of Moses, mm -hmm. that's why we don't observe the Sabbath day or the festivals anymore. Yes. But also there's a section here about people trying to defraud you. And, mm. you know, I think a lot of people out there, some of our listeners might be saying, man, how do you know when, yeah. how do you know when You're someone's actually giving it to you straight? Right. You're being sold to so much in this culture. And there's so many people that claim that God has talked to them or whatever. How do, how uh. do you sort all of that out? And there are people that are worshiping all sorts of things. And Absolutely. this chapter talks about that. Yeah, this is going to be super useful. Okay, so we start out with uh, Paul, the author here of Colossians, um, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to festival or new moon or a Sabbath day. We're going to need some context here, Mark. <laughs> Well, therefore, it goes back to the previous verses, particularly verse 14, where a certificate of debt that consisted of decrees, and okay. Ephesians 2.15 calls it the law, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Mm -hmm. At the cross, the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, given at Sinai, mm -hmm. to the nation of Israel mm -hmm. was removed, mm -hmm. and in its place as had been predicted mm -hmm. in Jeremiah 31, yes. 31 through 34, the new law, the law of Christ, or the new covenant. Even Moses anticipated a lawgiver superior to himself mm -hmm. in Deuteronomy chapter 18. So what verse 16 is saying is since that law has been removed yeah. and you're under the law of Christ, don't let people condemn you mm -hmm. if you're no longer following the food laws of the Old Testament right, or... You're not observing the festivals, Pentecost, Passover, etc., the new moon, or you're not observing the Sabbath day as a mandatory day of rest. Yeah, it would be kind of challenging to live in the first century in terms of if you're alive during the time where God, before the crucifixion of Jesus, has one covenant, and then following the crucifixion of Jesus, then a new covenant is inaugurated. And the old, it says in Hebrews 8.13, God himself calls obsolete. So yeah, they were expected to transition to this new covenant. And this new covenant was had some similarities to the old covenant on a moral level, but some of the things that did not transfer over were many of the festivals, the new moons, the Sabbath days. And so those were no longer a way that you would obtain the favor of God like they once were. Now there were new principles, more spiritual principles at play that a lot of those things symbolized. Well, that's the next verse. Okay. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come but the substance belongs to Christ, mm. is that the old law with all its ordinances was actually like a preview of coming attractions. Is that, Mark? I get really excited every time <laughs> I think about that. I don't know what it is. Yeah, the symbolism of the Old Testament, of what all that Old Testament stuff symbolized, blows me away. And yeah, the, the weekly Sabbath was a symbol of the final rest. Yes, God rested on the seventh day. And so then it does that translate over, Mark? Do we learn in the New Testament that that's going to 
talk about our eternal rest with him when the work is done on yes. earth? Yeah, okay. Hebrews chapter 4, there remains a rest for the people of God. And so you have that. You have a number of parallels to baptism. Um, Israel come out, coming out through the Red Sea, out of bondage. That's an that's a image of baptism. The flood is an image of baptism. Mm-hmm. The priest having to wash in the labor before they entered the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. That's a symbol of baptism. Before, the yes. tabernacle itself and the temple were both symbols of the ultimate temple, the mm-hmm. church. So, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism in the Old Testament looking forward to a greater reality. Yeah. And Mark, is it the, okay then if we're just going to freestyle it and make up our own symbols and like, let's just start, let's make a list of everything in the Old Testament and start saying what we think God meant by that. No, I think it's only a symbol if God says it's a symbol. There you go. Yep. There you go. Yes. Holy things are holy and God will tell us if there's something that he wants us to get out of the symbolism. So that is important to let him do the interpretation on these things. So, but the substance belongs to Christ. And so it's kind of talking about a shadow. So, you know, when you're walking down the street and there's your shadow, you're the substance. And in the same way, Christ is the substance. And all of those things like the Sabbath day and the festivals and such of the Old Testament, those were just like a shadow. And since you have the substance, you can cheerfully let the shadow go. Yeah. Uh, The person who possesses Christ immediately possesses the spiritual reality that God was aiming for and all that foreshadowing in the Old Testament. And since God told us he's going to make a change Mm -hmm. and clearly demonstrated he made a change because the people that were preaching the new covenant were working miracles. Okay. That demonstrates God says, okay, this is where you need to be. Well, then let's cheerfully, let's cheerfully move with him. Mm, Okay, so in the course of them kind of encouraging to continue to follow the old law, verse 18, Paul says, Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels. Interesting chapter this is because he'll say, Don't let anyone trick you with philosophy or Mm -hmm. human tradition. Yes. Then we've already noted, and don't let anyone tell you that you have to keep following the law of Moses. You have to keep observing the Sabbath day. You have to keep doing animal sacrifices. No, that's Mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. And then we move into this section. Let no one cheat you. Mm-hmm. And it's That's like, what false teaching does, right? Yeah. Well, what, what's your prize? Well, your prize would be with Christ in heaven, all the treasures in Christ, the yes. substance, the substance you already have. Yes. Don't let anyone cheat you or convince you that, as with those other things, um, you need to practice self-abasement, which is basically a false humility. Yeah. It's it's where you're making up rules that God didn't make up. And self-abasement would be examples where people that walk around and they, they beat themselves with a stick, uh-huh. you know, or, well, I'm going to be tied to a cross, you know, and uh-huh. I'm, or I'm going to only be in a bread and water diet or stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. well, wait a minute, where did God ever say that yeah. that's how you do it? We do not need to restrict ourselves beyond what God's mercy has already restricted us from. Like when God's, by God's mercy, he restricts us from fornication, that is sex outside of marriage. That helps us. It prevents disease. It makes for stable families. We could do a whole podcast on that. A hundred benefits from not committing fornication. Every law that he has, the things that he does tell us to deny ourselves 
are always going to be for our own good. But this false teaching of somebody trying to delight in self-abasement, you know, by their own new rules, uh, that can actually, in this verse, I mean, if you're being defrauded of your prize, that can cost one their reward in heaven. We do learn the principle that making more rules than God has made doesn't bring you closer to God, it cuts you off from God. There is no extra credit, Mark, when it comes to truth. And so, um, again, don't don't buy into these man-made sacrifices, mm-hmm. man-made self-sacrifices. Right. And so the other thing that's being warned about, the next phrase says, and the worship of angels. Which would be a violation of worship because angels are created beings and you are not to worship a created being. Angels don't, don't want it. It yeah. would also be this idea that, well, Jesus isn't enough and I've got to go through the angels. Yeah. So, okay, no, we, we do not worship created beings. Right. Angels or people. Right. A little bit reminiscent of Matthew 4, 8 through 11, uh, when the devil takes him to a very high mountain, takes Jesus there and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So, yes, we only worship God. Taking his stand on visions he has seen, and I think that's the idea that here we have people claiming that God has spoken to them. Mm-hmm. God appeared to me, and God said this to me, and that's a really old error and problem that Deuteronomy 18 deals with. Yeah. The people there said, well, how will we know? How will we know the difference between a, a an actual prophet yeah. and someone who's just claiming to be a prophet? And the test there was that an actual prophet was 100% accurate with his predictions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of people have taken a stand on visions that they've seen. And, Mark, the thing that's at play here, too, is when people claim that they've had a vision and God is telling them new truths that people need to live by, they all contradict the other person who says, oh, no, 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 God spoke to me, and actually this is what God wants us to do. So you could line up Joseph Smith Charles Taz Russell, Mary Baker Eddy, Ellen G. White, John C. Sinclair, Gilbert Cranmer, and anyone else who claims Latter-day Revelation and God's directly appointing them as his direct spokesman. Um, All of those, it goes on to say, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. We already have in the scriptures all things pertaining to life and godliness. We need not listen to people who are taking a stand, claiming to have visions, because that we, we've even seen in more modern times, Mark. It's very manipulative. Yeah. How many false religions started because someone claimed to have a message or vision from God? Yeah. Yeah. And, Don't and, drink the Kool-Aid. Right. And Galatians 1, 6-9 warns about that, that any other message besides the one revealed in the New Testament through the apostles yeah. is a false gospel. And... If you proclaim it and buy into it, you are accursed. Yeah. Then it says inflated without cause, as you noted. And I think that means that here's the source of the visions. God is not talking to these people. Mm -hmm. It says they're puffed up by his fleshly mind. This is, sadly, they're not spiritual people. They're very worldly people. They want to gain some fame and glory. It's a power trip, Mark. Yeah, it is. It's a product of pride and wanting to exalt yourself. So... The Bible points out there were false prophets in the Old Testament, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, and there will be false teachers among you. So 
the way you test this is, okay, but what does the Bible say? Yeah. And you can understand what the Bible says. Yes. And if they're not agreeing with what the Bible says, then you know, uh-uh, nope, not buying that. Mm-hmm. So in 19, and not holding fast to the head. Holding fast is like holding on tight. That's the solution. Yeah. It, you would never make a claim that God was talking to you if you were loyal to Christ. Yeah. Because you know God's not talking to you mm-hmm. like that. Jesus condemns that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- this happens when you no longer view Jesus as your head and your Lord. He determines what you believe. Mm-hmm. Because Ephesians 1, and 23 says, He put, this is a father, put all things in subjection under his feet, that's Christ's feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so yes getting back to the head listening to the head and believing what christ says on every topic you will have everything you need for life and godliness and you don't need an ounce of man-made religion beyond that and that's the rest of the verse is that if you do hold fast to the head then the whole body is healthy Everything's being nourished mm, and mm-hmm. grows with a growth which is from God. So now there is growth out there that's not from God. Yes. In false religions. Yeah. So any movement that starts by not holding fast ahead, it may grow and uh-huh. it may take off like wildfire, but it's not a growth from God. Right. You're looking for the growth that comes from God. Yeah. When it says from whom the entire body, what a reminder that every single person in the church, you know, this entire body is being supplied, which kind of reminds me of like oxygen and blood like it does for our physical bodies Um, and held together. So there's you're held together spiritually, emotionally, (laughs) mentally, you're held together Um, as a unit in the church, but also as individuals, you have it together. We talk about keeping your head on straight Mm -hmm. um, in all the ways. So, and by the joints and ligaments grows. So there's also progress being made, right? Continual spiritual progress is exactly God's plan for us. It says with a growth, which is from God. So not of ourselves, But this growth is from God, and that's the only growth that's worth the sacrifices necessary to obtain it. Yeah, that's the only true legitimate growth. Absolutely. Verse 20 says, If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world... So, we died with Christ in baptism. That was made clear in chapter 2 earlier, in like 12 and 13. Mm -hmm. But prior to baptism... as you noted, there's a step of repentance, mm-hmm. and repentance is where you die to well, sinful thinking, sinful ways. You also die to the ways of the world mm-hmm. and purely human plans. Yeah. And that would be the elementary principles. That is how worldly, unbelieving people operate. The world's rude and unbiblical notions. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like, just follow your heart. Okay, but that's going to end in disaster. Yeah, I think Romans 6, 5 through 7 again helps here when it says, quote, For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died 
is freed from sin, unquote. So this dying with Christ has a beautiful, beautiful ending to it. And it's all about being released from slavery, just like Israel was released from slavery to the Egyptians. So we too, um, we are freed from sin. So then it goes on to say, to the elementary principles of the world. So we've died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world. What is that talking about, well, Mark? The world's way of dealing with things, the, the, yeah. the world, how, how worldly people operate, the, mm-hmm. the fundamental thinking of the world that is mm-hmm. off track, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, don't let anyone tell you how to live, you know. you got to be your own boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just follow your heart, follow your gut, follow your instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not happy, then, you know, um, you just only think about today. Don't think about tomorrow. No long-range planning. Yeah. If it feels good, do it would yeah. be another <laughs> worldly elementary principle. You, what you're describing reminds me a lot of Jude 1, 9 through 11, when it says the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So this is a bad track record, living like animals, living like those elementary principles of the world. Children are taught in the schools now, Mark, that you know you're just you're just an animal. You are an elevated animal. You're what you're gonna see, you know, ten, fifteen years later is people behaving like animals and that does not make for a healthy, thriving, peaceful culture. Right. Yeah, you're already seeing that. Yep. So then he asks, why? As if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? Now, there are certainly things that we're not to handle, taste and touch. Right. Good point. But this is not talking about that. This is, we already noted in uh, verse uh, 18, we already noted this self-abasement. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's talking about, you're a Christian now, but as a Christian, what are you doing following these and submitting to these human rules? Yeah, living in are, the same way that's the world thinks and acts. Yeah, these human rules in religion. Uh, because First Timothy chapter 4 says that everything that God created is good. Yeah. And nothing is to be rejected in, in, in reference to food. Uh, if it's received with gratitude. Mm-hmm. And so we're not under any food laws today as Christians, but there always are people that either want to take things away from the Bible or add things to the Bible. Yeah. And so this chapter here, at least in this section, is talking about this idea of human religion, self-made religion that has a lot of... Asceticism. Yeah, asceticism, tendencies running through it. And so yeah. this would be like, go off into the desert, and, and get away from everybody and yeah. you could be more spiritual out there. This would also be like um, a celibate sort of priesthood. Okay. Uh, this would be like the monastic life, uh-huh. monks and nuns and things like that. Yeah. Um, severe treatment of the body. And it's it going to be, be forced, interesting. Could it be forced fasting, Mark? I mean, there's a lot of benefits to fasting. I well, don't wanna... it, it, it would be like human rules and fasting. Right. This is when we fast and you're going to do it. Right. Yeah. So this is a very interesting section as far as it's a trap that people can fall into. Yeah. But what the Holy Spirit says about it, I think, is interesting. Yeah. I'm just relieved that within his word, we don't need any additional man-made human requirements that 
we need not, I'm relieved that we need not live a life of asceticism, um, forbidding ourselves from experiences that he has not forbidden us in order to try to win his favor on our own terms. So yeah, it's kind of human thinking like, well, if those rules are good, more rules will make it better. Well, no, yeah, no. more rules will undermine the rules that God had already given, yeah. which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. Mm, mm-hmm. So if one uses all one's self-control, forbidding oneself of the things and experience that ill-informed humans have pressured us to abstain from, we will, Mark, have no reserves left to forbid ourselves from the things that God actually says does defile one's soul. Yeah, you're actually doing something very counterproductive. I mean, you could see from a human a purely human standpoint, uh-huh. how people might say, well, um, celibate religious leaders will make them more spiritual. Yeah. And history has shown, no. no, it actually makes them more vulnerable to temptation. Yes, and the altar boys have paid the price on that one from time to time, and they're not the only ones. So I guess you could say, Mark, that things like being a vegetarian, which I'm sure there's some benefits to that, yes, or like not cutting one's hair or an obsession with building physical muscle, like any of these things that we forbid ourselves or that we obsess about will not make up for lying, fornicating, you know, being stingy, whatever, you know, it's like you cannot substitute. Well, you made a good point. If you, you have a limited amount of self-control, if you're exercising all your self-control on at the gym, (laughs) yeah, at the gym or in reference to just like a diet, you're not going to have anything left to deal with real temptation. Yeah, so go lift your weights. We're not saying that. We're not saying never be a vegetarian. We're just saying we need to obtain the favor of God through the ways that he has said and not make up new rules by making life harder on ourselves than it actually needs to be. Well, and I think also the danger is you can be a vegetarian, but don't think you're more spiritual there you go. than the person who's yeah. eating meat. Look down on everyone else. Yeah, that's the danger that you can fall into. Good well, point. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to marry, I'm going to be married to Jesus. Well, that's mm. fine. You have that option, but be careful that mm-hmm. that can also yep. do it for the right reason, and it can play into your pride. So you can really trip yourself up when you've made up a number of rules you're following but you're not following the rules that God said to follow. Right. So what does this next verse mean? So we've already said, do not submit yourselves to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Then he, then he says, which all refer to things destined to perish with use. What does that mean? Well, I think he's talking about things that are very temporary. I mean, just mm-hmm. in reference to like food. Mm. Um, food's a very temporary sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're missing the real issue here. Yeah, well, that would make sense um, that one's body then must not be one's focus because one's body was created merely to be used as the eternal soul's transportation, right? Mm -hmm. Primarily. So he says, uh, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. Yeah, human rules. mm, Yeah, whose expectations vary from man to man. That's the thing too, Mark. It's not like, oh, there's one standard that all men agree. Like you go from man to man, they all have different rules you know, for obtaining the favor of God. If you're looking at man-made religion, um, like that are endless and irrational and arbitrary. But verse 23 says, these are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom. On the surface, such things kind of look like they would work. Uh, Like if it's hard, it must work. 
Yeah, but he calls it self-made religion. Mm, how much better to be holy than to appear holy, right? By walking in lockstep with trendy cultural expectations. It's better to be holy than to appear holy, Mark. Right, and then it says severe treatment of the body. Yeah. Well, that, that will work, right? But he says, nope, they have no value against fleshly indulgence. And that's, that's something that I think a lot of people either accept that or you don't accept that. I mean, yeah. he says, I mean, there's a lot of people that would probably argue with that. Oh, no, no, no. If I go somewhere and get into some monastery and sleep on the floor and have a meager diet and mm. a, 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 every waking moment I'm in some ritual, I'm going to become a more spiritual person. And he says, nope, yeah, it's not going to work. You know, I think a really good scripture here, um, and maybe you can help me find the text of this, is we have the self-made religion, and then we have God saying pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and the yeah. Father is James, this. James 1.26. To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world, unquote. So keeping yourself unstained, Mark, morally, theologically, mentally, all of that. That is work enough. That will keep you busy. You do not need to add more self-abasement, more false humility. Because just because it hurts does not mean it's necessarily good for you. And doesn't mean it's even spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, if it's not from God, it's not spiritual. Mm, Right. Love that. All right, so then it says, but... All of these, the severe treatment of the body, the self-abasement, are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Yeah, it's not going to help. Um, it's not going to make you more resistant to temptation. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's of value against fleshly indulgence mm-hmm. is the rules that God has given you, the principles that God has given you. But human rules, they don't help. They actually make it worse. Yeah, in the religious area. So we're not talking about civil laws. (laughs) You know, all of those are meant to help our society function efficiently and in safe ways. We're talking about when it comes to religion, it's not a free-for-all. No, and more busy work. More, it's not more busy work. Doesn't help. You know, you could come up with all sorts of things like, well, you... These are the set times of prayer, and oh, this is what right. your diet must be, and this right. is how you trim your toenails, and yes, this is you got to sleep on this side of your and, body, and, and one thing after another, and it's like you guys, you guys, you guys, none of that helps when it comes to yeah. temptation. Yeah, being hard on one's body does not remove sin from the soul. We do better to be kind to our bodies by giving them no more or no less than the appropriate amount of sleep, Mark, nutrition, and movement that they were created to experience. Jesus is all you need. Jesus is all you need. And his instruction. And again, this chapter was a lot of don't let people fool you. Like, oh, yeah, you got Jesus and you got the New Testament. But you know what you really need? You really need, you don't need a supplemental policy. Yeah. Yeah, and that should come, I hope, as a relief to us that God knows he created us exactly what the rules should be. Yeah, it should come as a relief. The New Testament is very simple. Some people follow the New Testament, but the real test, I think, sometimes is there are times people would prefer all the busy work yeah. than actually doing the real work. Yeah. The real work is you got to address what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so go and do hard things in the secular world, but don't expect that your extreme marathon has taken the place of what God has said that we are to do to win his favor or whatever, whatever the high discipline area is. That's fine. It's not what we offer up to God in terms of being in relationship with him. All right. That was deep, Mark Dunnigan. It was profitable. Deep and profitable. Well, that's the end of chapter two. It's been a fascinating chapter, Mm -hmm. uh, but the good stuff is still there. Yeah. We are going to move into chapter three, and we're going to get into some really practical aspects of Okay, what does it look like to get rid of the old man and put on the Mm. new man man, as far as personal behavior, morality, Mm -hmm. and how we treat other people, including how we treat our brethren, how we treat our mates, how we treat our children, how we treat our employees, or how we treat our employer. So It's not all philosophy, Mark Dunnigan. It is how to live, yes? Yes, it is. It's meat and potatoes. (laughs) All right, thanks for joining us on this scripture hike. God bless.